Good afternoon and welcome to Cover to Cover Open Book. For the next half hour, we bring you a Hearing Voices special in honor of Poetry Month, Word Shakers. terrorism. A group calling itself the Assault Poetry Unit dropped off an assortment of suspicious packages at various offices around New Orleans, including that of the Times-Picayune newspaper, which evacuated its employees. The package turned out to be a watermelon, with a four-page manifesto in it. The editor of the Times-Picayune was at the time deeply immersed in discussing the upcoming social season with the paper's gossip columnist. They were forced instead to huddle under a freeway overpass with the manifesto while the New Orleans Police Department bomb squad dismantled the watermelon. The manifesto called for painting over the huge Marlboro Man at Decatur Street and replacing it with a poem by Ishmael Reed. It called for all Louisiana government speeches to be written and read in iambic pentameter. And it demanded that New Orleans police officers memorize and recite poems at regular intervals. It was perhaps this, more than anything else, that caused the police to treat the incident as a crime. The manifesto declared that, quote, the era of poetic passivity is over, unquote, an egregious statement in a city where passivity, poetic or no, is a sacred institution, especially in the summer. We are so passive here that we never even shoo the flies away from our poor boys. Even the donkeys pulling the tourists quit flicking their tails this time of the year. Even more amazingly, no mayoral candidacies are declared at all, leaving the incumbent to take an unencumbered siesta. The energetic manifesto demanded, among yet more things, that the mayor read The Brown Menace or Poem on the Survival of Roaches by Audre Lorde in its entirety on the 6 o'clock news. Now, if someone would dare to wake his honor up, that might solve the problem of what to put on the news, which has been all about how hot it is outside. Still, crime or no crime, you have to hand it to the assault poetry unit. They ambulate, they agitate, they say something. In New Orleans, as in the rest of America now, that's the height of social activism. That's from my book, New Orleans, Mon Amour. I'm Andre Kodrescu of The Exquisite Corpse. And this is Word Shakers, a Hearing Voices Poetry Special. This 1920 recording of poet Vladimir Mayakovsky was mixed in 2004 with music by Yoshio Machida for DJ Spooky's project Rhythm Science. Hello, 
Saturday afternoon in Jackson Square. Our poetry combine, Colleen Fava, Megan Volpert, Robert Bloom, and myself, are about to interview a lucky dog man. There are lots of lucky dog men in New Orleans, selling this fast food from carts shaped like humongous hot dogs. It turns out this particular dog man is named Woody La Chapelle. I'm kind of a person that likes being out in the world and dealing with people all day long, so it's kind of a fun job for me. I bet you've seen some wild stuff in the square. Yeah, I, more than I really want to see sometimes. <laughs> so, hey, this is your chance to ask the lucky dog man here a question. So. Why did you come to New Orleans in the first place? Change of pace. I've lived most of my life in San Francisco, parts of California. And this is very similar to San Francisco. It's all going smoothly until someone mentions poetry. What do you know? Woody writes songs and poems. He just happens to have one stashed in the lucky dog cart under the condiments shelf. It's called Cooking. And uh, did you want me to read it? Okay. Well, it's actually a song lyric, but I won't sing it. It's Red beans on the back stove, Mama grew some rice. Now she cleaned and cooked it, be tasting very nice. Biscuits in the oven, crawfish in the pan, Mama knows how to feed a working man. Big spoon on the table, room toast, fell. Give him a big slice of pie. Let's face it, everyone in New Orleans is a poet. There may be something in the thick enough to drink air, or the story-saturated Mississippi water, or maybe the lucky dogs. But the epicenter of poetic activity in this city is quite specific. It's a bar in the French Quarter called the Gold Mine. The owner, Dave Brinks, is a poet born and raised in the Quarter. The bar, which has been in his family for generations, is really a school for poetry known as the New Orleans School for the Imagination. The gold mine is where you come to hear poems, read poems, 
meet other poets and learn from Dave. Before the gold mine, it was called Whiskey River, and then before that, it was called Shaky Jake's, and then before that, it was called Frenchman's Creek. Whiskey River, Shaky Jake's. Frenchman's Creek. Frenchman Street. Uh, Jeremiah's, The Hidden Door. I always had the fortune of growing up around a lot of uh, nefarious characters in the quarter, and just being a kid, I guess I was always hopeful that most people were like that. And then uh, the bikers and uh, and the terrific ladies of the night. There was a woman named Dauphine Kathy. Actually, her phone was where the popcorn machine is now, and that's where she used to take her calls. Dave tells the students they should trust their dreams. Dreams are the source of poetry. To prove it, he tells us one of his dreams. He goes, now let's go sit in this tree. And this tree was a tree that I always sat in when I was a kid, when I didn't feel like being around other people. And so we went and sat up in this tree. And he says, now I'm going to give you this formula, which is the year in which you'll live and the year in which you'll die. And he gave me this formula, and it was something like equinox divided by cucumber <laughs> equals the number. And I did it immediately. I did it on him. And it came out to be the year that he, he had died. And he said, no, 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 no. You wouldn't want to do that on yourself, because that's too scary. He says, but you would want to do it on the people that you, you love, and you want to make sure that you spend time with while they're still around. The poetry combine is feeling a bit overwhelmed after the seance of the gold mine, but there is still more to come. We have scheduled an interview with Gio, the queen of New Orleans burlesque. Satire is making fun of people who are smarter than me. Irony is making fun of people who are richer than me. Burlesque is making fun of people who are smarter and richer than me while taking my clothes off. Gio is, of course, a poet. And she has a bachelor's degree in industrial design, a master's degree in counseling, and she's president of her neighborhood citizens association. In other words, she is a model citizen of New Orleans who happens to have invented an aggressively postmodern style of striptease. This burlesque revival, or neo-burlesque movement, is mostly about the delicate sensibilities of the tease, a skin I can slip back into when I choose, but I would so much rather be in your face, sometimes on your face, so you can guess my weight, of course. At one point, Gio calmly disrobes in order to display a flame-colored tattoo decorating an anatomical region that these poetry students have never seen before, at least not in public. They are totally speechless. But Gio is not a bit speechless. Every woman's body is a dark secret place where you and I came from. Paglia says, this is the meaning of striptease, a sacred dance of pagan origins, a hazardous sphere of primitive power. I don't procreate, I create and I recreate, I sublimate, and I've been unabashedly spoiled by receiving validation in this manner. The next morning, we get together at a French Quarter cafe to unveil our work. The poems we have somehow managed to write overnight about the people we met yesterday. Here is Megan's take on Woody the Lucky Dog Man. 
in the pouring rain, in 100 copyrighted song lyrics, in 17 self-published books, in the lucky hot dog man, in the cheapest of covers, in the priceless book, in the humble, a lesson. And Colleen. Woody is a lucky dog man in Jackson Square. 17 books of poetry, 100 copyrighted songs, a previous incarnation in a metal punk rock band, and time on the streets. Now he stands in downpours, giving the public what they need. Mystery meat on a bun and lyrics beneath the ketchup. Well, we've, we became more communal than I even thought. There is a giant prejudice about um, in poetry, and it's been there for a long time, that poets are lone creatures who, you know, suffer in, in privately in the, with their typewriters and their pens, you know, and this is a way to actually erase that terrible idea and uh, do something new. As Ezra Pound said, make it new. I think this is definitely a way to make it new. RCA Victor Dog. And all he wanted me to do was speak out my mind against people. He sneeringly brought up Dulles, Eisenhower, the Pope, oh, Thomas, all kinds of people like that. Eventually, that he would Oh, at to be a gleeful mad boy. The world he wanted. This is his idea. Back to the mists of innocence. But who knows, my God, but that the universe is not one vast sea of compassion, actually? A beat still incubating in the unsullied womb of beethood. Where the only specters of doom were two bald-headed cats who like could push a button and blow us all out of here, man. And now those imagined antics of Khrushchev and Ike have long since dissolved in the serum of history. Nay, the true pure foreverhood. Immortalized by Mad Magazine, which I used to steal from the corner candy store. H-bombs drawn in so many cartoons has become a cartoon. Or at most, the smallest measurement of nuclear firepower on Earth 
Why should I attack what I love all my life? This is deep. Live your lives out? Ah. Love your lives out. No one seems to realize it, but I'll tell you a secret. H-bomb, I think, is the success secret of Japan. Yeah. This is 2,500 years old. If one of those sweet, beatitudinous babes of yours had stood up and prophesied that in three decades an Iranian fanatic would hold the entire publishing world hostage, if he had said that there would be Haitian drug gangs called posses in Kansas City, condoms advertised on TV, computer viruses, hypos handed out on street corners. Goes back to the holy old Arab. Warning the hot bloods that Ramadan is near. If he had dared to suggest that in the late 80s, the war the Soviets would be more peace-minded than the Americans, and that there would be a huge hole in the ozone from spray cans. Why don't you come back in a million years and tell me all about it, Angel? They would have put him in a straitjacket and carted him away to an asylum. Our fathers wore straw hats and WC And there in the nut house. He might have written a monstrous work of fantasy science fiction to make George Orwell's 1984 look like The Wizard of Oz by comparison. In fact, here is a poem I've written about Hoppo Ah, my poor father. He's such a big baby noodle brain. Too noodle brain to exist in this world of geometric fear. Too animal saintly headed. Too animal saintly hooded. Was too saintly to crawl through those concrete rat mazes of tortured thought. I know. I'm the same kind of baby noodle brain, because I can feel him in my bones. I'm getting to know him. I'm getting to know little boy Blue from the inside out. Racing down, down, madly southward on Madison Avenue through Manhattan today. Breezing in the cruel cold, I wrap myself up like an Arab. Blue hat and scarf like veils, and while rushing, caught a glimpse of myself in store windows. Like a mad Tuareg or Berber tribesman of the Sahara, hurtling at full tilt on a horse or maybe even a camel. Turquoise shrouds and veils flapping in the hot desert wind. Only this was cold city wind here on the other side of the Atlantic, which reminded me of the ancient sunken home of continental driftwood, continental breakfast hood. Walking, talking poetry in the streets, walking, talking God in the streets. Ah, oh, we humans must be a pretty hardy lot. To swarm all over this poor old globe time after time, strong as dynasties of cockroaches in those tenements I used to live in. Remember, Jack, you came to visit me in a tenement? I bet you didn't see any cockroaches. No, you were too drunk. Well, never mind. Anyway, so you say all your fathers wore straw hats like W.C. Fields. Well, I wish I could say that, but you see. My father was the Invisible Man, but I won't hold that against you. You're not listening. The poem goes: "Love's love's multitudinous boneyard of decay, the spilled milk of heroes, destruction of silk kerchiefs by dust storm, arrested heroes blindfolded hosts." Murder victims admitted to respite. Skeletons bartering fingers and joints. Quivering meat of the elephant's kindness being torn apart from the world. Conceptions of delicate meat packs. Without the fear of rats. Looking with back on the area. We'll find out. 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 We'll find
sometimes I'm walking on the ground and I see right to my ground. There is no world. You'll find out. You find out. Sometimes I'm walking on the ground and I see right to the ground. There is no world. You'll find out. Poet, professor in autumn years, seeks helpmate, companion, protector, friend, young lover with empty, compassionate soul, athletic physique and boundless mind, courageous warrior who may also like women and girls, no problem, to share bed, meditation, apartment, Lower East Side, help inspire mankind, conquer world, anger and guilt, empowered by Whitman, Blake, Rambeau, Ma Rainey, and Vivaldi. Familiar, respecting art's primordial majesty. Priapic, carefree, playful, harmless slave or master. Mortally tender, passing swift time. Photographer, musician, painter, poet, yuppie or scholar. Find me here in New York, alone, with the alone, going to Lady Psychiatrist who says, make time in your life for someone you can call darling, honey, who holds you dear, can get excited and lay his head on your heart in peace. I have lived by the grace of Jews and girls. Oh, that's a funny one. I have nothing and I'm not wanting. I write poems from the spirit for the spirit and have everything. A poet's fate is by choice. I have chosen and am well pleased. A drunk dreamer in reality is an awful contradiction. Loved ones fall away from me and I am become wanting. Self-diagnosis. A penniless living legend needs get the monies or write more poems or both. <laughs> if you have a choice between two things and cannot decide, take both. Take both. Tis not right for me to be wanting. <laughs> I take out my pen, I pee white gold, and on the wall I write thereon. It was there, always there, minutely contained in a splayed hand. Outside, a fallen swallow marks the Tuesday. Oh, my heart. Finally, at long last, I am at peace. The half-century war I hacked at like an Afric bushman hacking bushmasters is over. I will live and never know my death. Yeah. Letter to my friend Bob in New York. You don't sound so good. Please take care. Most of this is mental. That's why it's terrorism. It's meant to disconcert and make you revert to blind fear. Poetry is wanted here. And to boot, our homegrown nuts are starting to take root. Yet in most parts, things are calm and generally subdued. But there have been hoaxes 
and folks is getting anxious and ready to conclude that it's hopeless and drear, poetry would be helpful here. So I'm going to go poetize and help people realize that you cannot hide when worlds collide. No going inside, no taking a breather either. It all comes in on you at once. And you got to have at least an ounce of hope and joy to deploy into the atmosphere of fear to implode the load of grief that's drawing near. Poetry is desired here. Because all peoples are just like you are and I are, close or far are, just people with nowhere to run. Let's stick a flower into every gun, like way back when. Or was that a dream? Can't say now, feeling so low, seeing so bleak, thinking so drear. Poetry is wanted here. Rhyming and timing, a rebirth of cheer. Songs are needed here. It hit the fan and bam, we are human. After all, America, venerable yet vulnerable and human. After all, good to know that's our true strength and the real meaning of this happenstance that we can fall and scroll and rise and be surprised and not take for granted the morning sun so beautiful and dear. Poetry would be good here. Forgive me for ranting, for panting, for chanting out of tune. That's the fool in me, seeking a tune in me, wanting to stay light and free from that which would oppress, depress, regress, obsess, and in general make a mess of my soul. I want to be whole, in control, on a roll, without the slightest hint of fear. Poetry is needed here. So, my dear friend... Hang in, hang on, hang tight. We gotta see this to the end. We gotta be concerned and discern the real enemy that we fight. For the veil between truth and lie is become so thin and sheer. Poetry is wanted here. Love your buddy. You heard? Alex Calguero's poetry is wanted here. Allen Ginsberg's personal ad is from the collection The United States of Poetry, as was The Things I Hear at Night by that young man, Sawyer Shafts. In those found poems, the soldiers' drill and the double Dutch rhymes were also of the United States of Poetry. The New Orleans Poetry Combine story was produced by Larry Massey. Marianne Faithful read Gregory Corso's Getting to the Poem. And that was Jan Kerouac reading her poem over her father Jack's voice. The mix was by Marjorie von Halteren. This is from an unmarked reel-to-reel tape bought in a Brooklyn junk shop. It comes to us from the professor at the WFMU's audio kitchen. You are a
Snow, and an unidentified young girl singing poetry band. I'm Andrei Kodrescu of The Exquisite Corpse, a journal of letters and life at corpse.org. There are links to works by all the poets and producers in this hour at hearingvoices.com. Hearing Voices specials are supported by the Corporation for Public Broadcasting, a private corporation funded by the American people, and by the National Endowment for the Arts, which believes that a great nation deserves great art. Mix engineer is Robin Wise of soundimagery.com. Executive producer is Barrett Golding. Thanks for listening to Cover to Cover Open Book. You can call 510-848-6767, extension 212, with your questions or comments.